Hello, beautiful people. What's up, fam? Today I have an awesome conversation with Kelly Tennant, former sports reporter and podcaster. Her podcast is about spiritual growth and sexual awakening. I love everything that Kelly stands for. She is such a light, and I really enjoyed this conversation. We talk ayahuasca, soul stuff, and get really deep. I hope this conversation lights you up as much as it has lit me up. Enjoy, beautiful people. Kelly, I'm so excited to have you on Beautiful People Podcast. The way that I found you, I just have realized again, <laughs> is through Aaron Alexander's podcast, Align Podcast. Yes, love, and love him. He's great. So cool. And I did recently finish his book, which was so good. And I'm going to pass it along to some people. That's awesome. I also recently listened to your podcast about podcasting, which I'm excited to talk about on this podcast. Yes. Happy to share all the details. Okay. So I wanted to go back. You had mentioned on there that you started to first discover podcasting because you were chronically ill. Can we touch a little bit about that and what that journey was like to healing and how plant medicines played a large role in that healing process for you? Yes, I'm that very, is a loaded question, girl. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I'm very passionate about plant medicines, so I feel like this is something that we'll definitely get into. Yeah, well, I could talk about plant medicine all day, girl. Um, so podcasting. Yeah. So I used to be a TV host. Um, I was the host for the Dodgers and the Lakers and I, I was in TV for about 15 years and I just, my body had been shutting down for so long. And I finally got to a point where I didn't like my job. I was so, so sick. I was like, I had days where I couldn't see straight. I couldn't read a teleprompter. My body hurt so badly. I would just be crying. I would go out on the field, host the show and then go inside and sob. And I was like, I can't live like this anymore. And so I was trying to figure out what the hell I was supposed to do after that, because I really only had one skill set, which was being a TV host and reporter and interviewing people. I had never really had another job aside from being a nanny and working at Lululemon when I was 21, trying to make it on ESPN. And so I'm like, okay, what do I do with this? And I knew podcasting was continuing to grow. And so I just kind of decided that I wanted to have my own show. And I had always wanted to have my own show in the networks that I had worked for, but I kept being told no. And every idea was like, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do all the things that I pitched to them that they didn't want to do, but I'm going to do it with women and I'm going to do it with topics that I really care a lot about. And so that's how the podcast started. Um, it began as the platform podcast. It turned into ceremony wellness. And now it's the Kelly show. I've gone through lots of rebrands and I feel like I was going through somewhat of an identity crisis coming out of television as well as being so sick. I didn't really know where I wanted to go other than I wanted to be of service. I wanted to help people. And the only way I really knew how to do that was to provide them with insight and resources through conversations with people that I knew and had interacted with. So I started having uh, founders of non-toxic companies and women who had gone through chronic illness journeys and the doctors that saved my life and just started having these conversations. And in that, I think I reached new levels of healing because I was just so open and I was so expansive into, okay, what am I meant to see? What is, what am I meant to do with my life? Um, you know, what's coming forward, all of that. And so that's when I really started getting into working with shamans and plant medicine and did my first ayahuasca ceremony and then started sitting with psilocybin and 
met my boyfriend during that time. And he was a huge plant medicine advocate and still is. And so then I was just being surrounded by people in that space. And it just felt like this is where I'm meant to be. And so I think the podcast was really that first step into this whole world that I'm in now and seeing what's available to you, the opportunities, alternative medicine, the mind body connection and understanding the energetics of illness and what people aren't telling you. What was your first ayahuasca ceremony like? Oh, wow. Um, it was beautiful. It was, I honestly, it was the best first weekend of ayahuasca I could possibly ask for. I loved the healers that I was working with. I really bonded with them. Um, specifically one of the facilitators that was there who was actually like working on us energetically as we were sitting in ceremony. Um, it was incredibly transformative and I think the best thing that I did was I went in without expectation. I didn't really know a ton about ayahuasca. I knew a little bit. I had listened to some podcasts. My girlfriend had just sat with them a few weeks before and she was like my guinea pig. I'm like, okay, am I safe? She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going. And that's all I wanted to know. I didn't want to know the depths of her journey. And so I went in without expectation. And I think I was just so open because of that. And I just, my intention the whole weekend was show me what I meant to see. Like, that's all I knew. And I was still really new into personal development and spirituality. So I didn't really have a lot of context for what I was about to embark on, but I knew that I had to do something in order to break through whatever barrier was in front of me. And I didn't know what the barrier was, but I just felt like, and I don't know if you felt like this, like you do a lot of work on your own and then you get to a point you're like, okay, now what? Like, I still feel like there's something there, but I'm really not sure what I'm supposed to do now. Okay. And that's where I was. And so the whole weekend was, I mean, so hard, so painful, so beautiful, so magical. I was in and out of like really, really hard, scary things like reliving my birth, which was super traumatic. And then I was in orgasmic bliss and, you know, realizing my sexuality in a lot of ways. Um, I had been going through a breakup and had just gone through some like traumatic stuff with him and was able to process some of that. And it was just a whole myriad of things, but it was exactly what I needed. And it was a really, but I feel like, although intense, very gentle introduction into what plant medicine was going to be for me moving forward. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's something that happens when you sit with the medicine that after the experience, it's impossible to go into the real world without recognizing the mirrors that are all around and the bad intentions that could have ever been present before. It's like impossible to come back out and have ill will. Yeah, I think so. I think plant medicine shows you the parts of yourself that you've never met. Plant medicine helps you engage in ways you never have before. And so I think it strips back these layers of ego and things that we have done or believed in the past that no longer serve us. And so to your point, I think you're exactly right. It's like all these things that don't resonate anymore or don't, we just don't need it. It allows us to let it go so that we can see the truth so that we can see through that bullshit. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like ego was something that you had to surpass in order to progress forward? And also how did you meet your current boyfriend? Was it during <laughs> one of the ceremonies? I'm no, single, um, so I'm like collecting as much beautiful relationship <laughs> information as possible. So I can be like, okay, that's cool. That's nah. Yeah. Um, what was your first? Oh, the ego. Yeah. Um, I did not 
So I don't know. This is a good question. I'm still kind of grappling with this. I think a lot of people, and this is not a judgment. This is just like different belief systems. I think a lot of people, it's like when you meditate and you're like, I'm just going to get rid of all the thoughts and then I'm going to transcend them. And I'm just going to be like a monk and everything is clear. And I just don't believe in that. Um, I believe that the ego serves us. I believe that it can work for us and we're never going to get rid of it. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm a human. I'm here to have a human experience. So I'm not trying to get rid of my ego. It's part of my experience. That fear, that um, questioning, that doubt, that unknown, one, helps keep us safe in really dangerous situations. Um, But two, I think that it is part of our journey in self-discovery. And so I don't believe that you have to like let go of it or release it in order to have more self-awareness and connection to who you are and what feels true for you. I heard someone say this quote yesterday, I'm going to botch it, but it was something like, I'm speaking my truth. I'm not speaking the truth because what you feel is right for you is different than what feels right for me. But that doesn't mean you're wrong or that I'm wrong. Right. It's just, that's what is best for you or I at that time. And, you know, my boyfriend Connor says this all the time. I reserve the right to change my mind. And I really respect that because Lord only knows how many times I've changed my mind about things in the last couple of years, because the more you knew, the more, you know, the better you do. Right. And so it's like, you get new information, you're able to reevaluate. And then you're like, Oh, I actually don't believe that. Or I did believe that. And it doesn't really resonate in the same way. It may still be valid, but I'm moving into a new awareness or a new type of consciousness or whatever you want to call it. And so I think your ego, like people talk about the ego death or like the death of the old me. And I was kind of going through that And what I realized is that I was just causing more chaos and more of an internal battle than needed to be. For me, it was how can I bring that along with me and allow it to serve me and learn from it while moving into this new new version of myself? Um, And to your second question, I met Connor because I was getting ready to go do ayahuasca. And so I just went into Apple Podcasts and I looked up ayahuasca and I came upon the Realness Podcast, which is his show. Mm-hmm. And I started listening and I was like, oh my God, this is so helpful. This guy knows so much. And so my assistant had reached out to him and she had pitched me to be on his show. And we started talking and here we are almost two years later. And <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's so crazy. So we met because of ayahuasca, which is pretty magical to me. Yeah, there is some sort. Do you believe in a soul? And do you believe that he could potentially have been your soulmate? So I think we have a lot of soulmates um, because I feel like I have met so many people that I've known before that I've had experiences with, whether it's past romantic relationships or just girlfriends of mine or, you know, parents, siblings, dogs. Like, I really believe that so many of the people or animals in my life have been soulmates for me or are. Um the funny thing about Connor and I is that (laughs) I saw Connor in a past life regression I did six months before I even knew he existed. Oh, that just gave me the chills. I know. So I was working with this incredible um, past life regression, past life regressionist, I guess you'd call him, Mm -hmm. uh, Yarun in LA. And sometimes when you do a past life regression, you're able to see the future. It's pretty rare, but it happened for me. And so I drop into this scenario 
and I see my life like five or six years in the future. And I see this guy and it's definitely not my boyfriend that I had at the time. So I was like, well, this is kind of fucked up, but we're just going to roll with it. And so I'm wondering like, who is this guy? And then six months later I had met Connor and it still hadn't clicked for me, but he went to this wedding and he sent me a selfie of him at this wedding. And he was wearing the exact suit with the exact haircut, same color, like all the things that was in that future experience that I had seen. And I'm like, holy shit. Like I saw you before I even knew who you were. And Connor saw me in his ayahuasca experience about four months before we met, before he knew me. Yeah. And so when we got together, it was just, I mean, I loved him before I met him in person. We talked for about a month before we met. Um, and I knew I was in love with him before I met him. And then the first time I hugged him, it was the most surreal, ethereal experience I've ever had. It was just like coming home. Like, I know you, you're my person. Like, this is my place. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really, really special. And I do believe he's a soulmate. Like, I feel like we've done many lifetimes before together. And I feel like in every way we're meant to be together as much as we drive each other crazy. It's like, we chose to be here with one another to learn all these big lessons, to go through hard things and to have this beautiful life. Do you feel like because you guys have both experienced plant medicines and are working hard on unraveling yourself to be your best self, you have met each other at the right time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so- are you guys both on the same trajectory? I know you guys have a business together. Um, I wouldn't say we're on the same trajectory. We're incredibly different people. Um, and as I've gotten deeper into spirituality, Connor has actually gone the other way. Um, what I will say is that I feel like we've met each other at the right time because we have both done a lot of work to get to this point. And the first night that we met, I remember we were sitting at the beach and we were just telling each other everything. Like I left nothing untold that night. I shared how I wanted my life to be, my past experiences, uh, what really mattered to me. And he did the same thing. And I feel like the only reason we were able to get there is because we got really honest with ourselves about all the things that we had been a part of in the past, past relationships, past careers, things we were leaving behind, realizations we had about ourselves and just being radically honest about like, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. These are my core values and everything really aligned. Um, So I think that's how we got there. But I think the interesting thing, and I also feel like this is why we chose each other is I was just coming into spirituality and plant medicine and Connor had already sort of gone through his peak experiences with it. Not to say that he hasn't participated since then. Like we, he had a retreat that we went to and did ayahuasca at Soltara in Costa Rica three months after we had met. So it's not that he didn't want to do it, but I think he had seen a dark side of spirituality in the community that he was in, how manipulative it can be, how people can get really lost in the medicine and like give their power away to plant medicine or drugs or experiences or communities that are manipulative. And he really felt strongly about taking a step back um, because he had experienced that. And I think he had done a lot of deep diving. He had done a lot of ayahuasca, a lot of mushrooms, a lot of other um, like DMT and all these other things. So he had really 
like been in the jungle in Peru, seen it all, become the jaguar, had his heart blown open, like experienced death, all these things. And for me, I was just getting started. And so I think it was in a way him moving away from it was actually really beautiful because he was more grounding for me. I have a tendency to like go off into the ethereal real quick. And then I have a hard time coming back because I really like it there. And so he's my grounding force to bring me back. Um, and so it's interesting, like now he talks a lot about politics. He's not really in personal development. He's not really coaching clients anymore. Um, he's definitely more woo woo than people think at this point, like we'll have private conversations and he shares what's coming up for him, but he's not in it all the time, the way I am. And I really appreciate that. And I think it's a really nice balance because I don't know if I could be with someone who, as, who is as spiritual and speaks that language all the time. I think we would probably be off floating somewhere. And I don't know that that's what's meant to be for our human experience. Mm -hmm. Was there a point in your spiritual journey that clicked for you? Like, this is true. I might be projecting, but there's moments for me that I almost, I don't wish, but I almost feel like I would have so much more sense, like things would make so much more sense if I didn't trust so much in the spirituality, but the spirituality, there's nothing to doubt about it. You know, so mm -hmm. it is like, there's a in-between of, am I seriously crazy? No, because this is the most truth that I could understand. You know, it's like this weird in between. Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. And I have like a couple of different takes on it. I think the first thing is that you always think you have figured it out until you realize you haven't. And for me, I've experienced a lot of death this year. I lost my mom and then we, we tragically lost our puppy about a month ago. And in the death experience, I realized that I didn't know shit about shit. And I think that it really took me having those moments of complete surrender, being like, what the fuck even is life? Like, why am I here? What is the point? Is there a God? Like I questioned everything. I, a month ago, the week that our dog died was ready to give everything up. I was like, fuck my podcast, fuck spirituality, fuck you, God, you can go to hell. Like that's where I was. I was crying on the floor. I couldn't bring myself to have any semblance of like, reality. I was gone. I was like, this, nothing makes sense anymore. And I think that that was such an important experience for me because I think there's a level of cockiness that we get in spirituality. It's like, Oh, look at me. I talk to all these shamans and then I go do ayahuasca and then I sit with psilocybin. Oh my God, look at the Oracle card. I just pulled today. It's so epic. This like speaks to everything I'm going through. And like, let me just wave around my sage and my fucking crystal wand. And I'm like, woke. Right. And it's like, Yes, you can have awareness and yes, you can be in an embodied place and you can be open and you can be growing, but to sit here and act like I'm so woke and I have the answers to the universe and to the human experience, that's a fucking lie. Like that's yeah. just a straight up lie. And I think that anyone who pretends to have all the answers is full of shit and they don't know anything. And so I realized, and not that I, not that I feel like I pretend to have the answers, but I feel like there was a level of humility and gratitude and curiosity that I needed to get to. And I wasn't getting there. And this was 
this was for sure a rock bottom for me. And what I thought was rock bottom when I broke up with my boyfriend before I had ever done ayahuasca and went through that whole experience, I was like, oh, that was just, that was just the tip of the iceberg, you know? And these things that happened this year and going through COVID and being locked up and all this stuff that really shows you, you haven't really seen anything yet. Like this is just the beginning. And I think that that's a beautiful place to be because you know, something I've been really thinking about lately, and I have this sisterhood circle, we have a call every Tuesday, and it's some of the wisest, most incredible women ever, many of whom are healers and teachers. And we've been talking a lot about cults. And we were talking about how spirituality in a lot of ways has become a cult. And it has very cult-like tendencies. And if you've seen the vow, which is like the Nexium cult, which became like sex slaves and all this stuff, or if you watch Scientology, I'm just, I'm fascinated because there's so many through lines into spirituality and it always starts out good and it always starts out pure. And then somehow it goes down this really questionable route and everyone sits there 10 years in and they're like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think that there's a level of questioning that needs to happen. Like anyone who pretends like they have answers and is the guru go run away, like run away because they don't have your answers. And I say this on my show all the time. I'm like, I am not your fucking guru. Don't come to me to fix you or give you the answer. Cause that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to facilitate. I'm here to mirror back to you, your stuff and to help you ask yourself better questions to get to your truth, not my truth. Cause my truth is not yours. And there may be through lines and there may be similar similarities. And of course, like we're all people in this experience and communities tend, you know, I tend to attract people like me, but I'm not going to be the answer for you. And I think that what has happened in spirituality is a lot of people pretend they have the answer and then they have attracted victims who flock to them who believe that this is like the almighty. Okay. Let me do everything. They say their morning routine, their crystals. Where do you buy this? What shaman did you see? How did you do this? Blah, blah, blah. And they go down this rabbit hole and then they look at themselves and are like, do I feel any better? No. How did I get here? I'm not sure. And I just spent tens of thousands of dollars on stuff that I'm not even sure why I did. And so I think there's a a level of personal responsibility and sovereignty and being in your own experience and looking within rather than going to spiritual gurus and people you put on pedestals thinking that they have the answers. I'm off my soapbox now. I'm sorry. (laughs) Do you, and that's a very good and important point, especially, so my family knows that I'm doing all these ayahuasca ceremonies and constantly my family's like just checking that you're not going into a cult. I'm like, it's not a cult, but from your perspective, I understand like that fear. I was kind of like, you're just being ridiculous. You should go do ayahuasca and understand that it's not a cult, but yeah. And the other way that is definitely something to take note of. Well, and there's so many people out there that do ayahuasca and then ayahuasca becomes their new crutch. So before it was drugs and alcohol and eating disorders and sex and whatever. And so then they go to ayahuasca and they find themselves quote unquote in the medicine. And then they're like, Oh, I just need to live here. This is my answer. And so then they never integrate and they never go back to being a human and they're gone. Like people are lost. And that's not something that we talk a lot about because of course I'm a huge proponent of plant medicine in the right place, the right time with the right people. So I'm very picky. And so is Connor about who we sit with, because I don't want to just sit with someone. Anyone who's running around the United States calling themselves a shaman can go shove it to me. 
Like, Mm. I think you're full of crap because I remember in my first ceremony, one of the first things that our, he will not call himself a shaman, our facilitator said was that anyone who calls themselves a shaman, you really need to question. He said, I spent years in the jungle in Peru and I have been around some of the most magnificent healers in the entire world. And I've only met one man who should be called a shaman. And he was like this hundred year old medicine man in Peru who was healing everybody. He goes, that's a shaman. Anyone else is using it to market themselves and call themselves this thing so that people will follow along. And I really took that to heart. And I do believe that because look, spirituality is a billion dollar business now. Of course, people are going to call them shamans, themselves shamans and healers, and everyone can channel and everyone has the magic crystal for you. And I understand now why there's so much hesitation because we're not asking good enough questions. We just blindly trust people to give us some medicine or psychedelic or experience without really wondering, okay, but where did you learn this? And how did you get to this point? And not that everyone needs like a certificate or whatever, but if you're just like blindly calling yourself a shaman, my question would be why, and why do you feel the need to call yourself that? Right. Going back to the ayahuasca and people getting lost in the medicine, I find this fascinating because I have seen people that have gotten lost in the medicine and began to do these retreats like once a week. And it's very confusing for me because from my personal experience, after I sit with the medicine, I'm like, holy shit, I just got so many downloads. Now I have to listen to everything I was told and do I was as I was told in the medicine. And I feel like to come back at a place where I'm not ready for it again, it would be a slap in the face to the integrity and the purity of what the medicine shows. You hit the nail on the head, girl. That's exactly it. So how can you get lost in that? Because it's so intense and dark. Not for everyone. Everyone has different experiences. And some people are addicted to darkness and pain. Some people are addicted to feeling good in light. You know, I've had like nights where it's super orgasmic and I'm connected to everyone. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the most magical place ever. I'm like a blob of energy. Why do I ever want to be a human again? Mm. Being a human for a lot of people, including myself, is really hard. So if you can escape and be in another place that feels good or feels right for you, then why would you want to come back to whatever your reality may be? And so I think it's an escape mechanism and it's an opportunity for people to explore and go places that they can't go in their human experience. And another nugget I got from my first weekend of ayahuasca is that the ceremony, what what did he say? The real ceremony is in life, not in the yurt. So the integration and living life is where the actual ceremony is. That's the real hard work. That's the practice, the everyday showing up for life, being willing to experience and see whatever it is that comes forward. But how many people don't want to do that? How many people are so scared or think it's too hard or aren't willing to put in that time and practice in order to have the life that they want? It's a lot of people. And so I think that's why there's this this, um, kind of adverse reaction 
when people come out because it's like, oh shit, now I got to like deal with this on a human level. I'm no longer in the ethereal scene, whatever it is I just saw. Now I actually have to go be in practice with whatever I was told or taught or whatever experience I'm supposed to bring forward in my human life. Do you think that we have free will? Oh my God, this is such a good question. I hate that you asked me this because I've been asking everyone else. Like, someone please. I need the answers. Freaking explain free will and like whatever is meant to be. I just, I have a really hard time with this. I don't have an answer for you. And maybe that is the answer, right? Like, I think, and I I do this all the time. I want to have an answer for everything because it makes me feel better. But at the end of the day, I don't, I really believe that some things are not meant to be understood. And I don't know that anyone will ever have a true understanding of free will versus destiny. Or like I come into this life with lessons and my karma and whatever past life experiences I've had. And my soul is meant to do this. And so it's just going to happen versus I am in choice and I have free will and I get to choose how my life is. I, I have yet to really decide what makes sense to me. I think that it's a combination of both. But then when I say that out loud, I'm like, but how? <laughs> like, I can't, this is honestly, this question for me is like doing geometry or speaking another language. It's really hard. My brain does not get it. And so I don't have an answer. I think it's it's a combination of the two in some form or fashion. I can't imagine that we don't have any control, but then again, I'm kind of the person who's like, I don't know if I have any control. Yeah. So that's my answer. (laughs) It's interesting because in your past life regression, you saw Connor and he saw you in an ayahuasca ceremony. So Mm -hmm. it's a very, you know, full circle approach to, okay, well, we created it when we met, but it was created before the meeting even happened. Right. And it was like, okay, well, clearly we were going to meet and we were meant to, and that we've met in the past, but then is our whole relationship a form of destiny every single day is just like predetermined or are we in choice? I would like to think that we're in choice, but then again, it seems like even being in choice, things turn the way they're going to turn. Right. And you're blending. It's not just my experience or my karma or my past lives or whatever, or my destiny. It's his too. And so then they're intertwined. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where I'm kind of like, this thing is so much bigger than any of us understand. That's why I kind of have just come to the point where I'm like, I don't even want to try to understand because I don't know that I ever will. And it's just so big and so vast. And there's so many players. There's so many things at play interwoven that how, how would you ever in a sentence explain free will versus destiny, which um, if I brought Connor down here right now, he would do it so eloquently and I would be incredibly annoyed, (laughs) which is what he did on like our third date. And I still don't understand. He like wrote this shit on a napkin and like drew me a picture of like free will, destiny, whatever. And I was like, okay. And I still don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. It, but going back to not having an answer to that question it makes me question why anyone would ever doubt that we're all connected right. and how that is not something that's 
like written in textbooks for first graders to understand like, Hey, listen, like we are all one, but it seems so out there like woo woo. Yeah. Well, then you're getting into power dynamics and cultural and societal norms and old white men ruling the world because they, who the fuck in power, especially in government wants us to believe we're all one because then you lose mind control and you lose being able to pit people, each other against pit people against one another. It's what we're in right now. It is the current state of politics in the United States, let alone the world. It is you against me, us against them, utilizing every form of fashion to create this, whether it's COVID, whether it's healthcare, whether it's Black Lives Matter, like you name it, these are all tools used to pin us against each other. If it was, we are all one and we are all connected, how would people have power? So the people in power are continuing to perpetuate the power by keeping people in victimhood and in a you against me mentality. That's the only way they keep the power because the second that we all understand and ascend to a level of like, if you want to call it 5d or we're all connected or whatever it is, who's in power, right? Where, what it happens to money is the only way to get there through plant medicines though. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, hard to say. Yeah. I think that I mean, it's a cultural shift for sure. And I believe that plant medicine feeds that. I feel that this year has been, I start, I call it during like serious quarantine in the spring, I was calling it the great shedding because it just felt like we're letting go of all these paradigms and beliefs and things that don't work for us anymore. And we're moving into this sort of ascended, um, greater awareness of who we are and what matters, our priorities, our connection. I feel like this year is asking everyone to look within at the same time. And I don't know if you know who Elizabeth April is, but she, she's a, I don't know what you would even call her. She like talks about the 3d to 5d ascension. She's a teacher in the spiritual space, but we had this conversation on my show a few weeks ago and she was basically telling me like, we live in a bubble. Like, she and I live in a bubble. You're in that bubble. And we think that everyone's waking up during this time. And that's not happening. Mm. Most people are not waking up. Most people are not getting that awareness. Most people are not questioning the norm. We have a world of robots. That is how we have been trained. That is what we have come here to do is to like be a robot, right? That's what we all believe until you and I see something else available to us. And we're like, wait a second. Like, what is this? Am I in a video game or am I like a puppet in someone's, you know, show? Like what's happening? There's something going on. This isn't right. There's something more. And so then you and I start to look at the world through different lenses and then we become more aware and then we do work and then we do psychedelics. And then we see all these other, you know, spiritual places and dimensions and abilities and, you know, we're channeling or whatever that looks like. But what 80% of the world, 90% of the world is not doing that. Mm. So in our bubble, yes, we're shifting, we're shedding, we're growing, we're expanding, we're waking up. But what about the 90% of the world that doesn't have that awareness yet and may never will? Mm -hmm. Is it important for them to know it? 
or maybe then their kids will find it because something won't work. Yeah. I mean, I think, yes, it is important. I think the more people that wake up, the better, but I also believe that part of the human experience is people not waking up to having that struggle to being in that place of the ego and bad things happening and war and death and murder like this that's part of what we go through cancer like all these horrible things that i i'm like why do we have to do this like this is awful why do little kids get cancer like someone please explain that to me i just i cannot mm-hmm. come to terms with that um all these things in our human experience that really don't make sense yet without that how do we learn all these lessons like if horrible things had not happened in my life, I would not be here today because it wouldn't, I wouldn't have been challenged to wake up. And I think everyone's on their own path and whether they're waking up or becoming aware in this life or the next life or whatever that looks like, that's their soul's experience and their soul's journey. I also feel that there are more children and more people coming into this life with awakened souls to do work and to expand consciousness. Mm -hmm. Like it's time. You talk about star seeds and indigo children and all of that. I feel like there's an influx of that mentality or that soul to create the space and challenge the norms in order to make a bigger paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. I bow to that. (laughs) I'm going to switch gears here so that you can tell everyone about your business, the podcast, everything that you do so that everyone can connect with you. What do I do? Um, So I am the CEO and co-founder, co-founder, I'm a (laughs) co-founder, co-founder, Soul Fire Productions, which is a, a media production company. So The reason I started that was because as I had my podcast, I realized there just wasn't a lot of support for podcasters. And I worked with a production company that didn't help me at all. They just like put my shit together in a really poor way. And it was just out there. And I never got any help with like analytics or how do I record this or what should I say? What works? What doesn't? How do shows grow? Subscribers and reviews are apparently important. No one told me these things. So I was like, there has to be a better way. And so with Connor, um, we co-founded Soul Fire as not only a production company, but as a network. So we really wanted it to be built on the foundation of community and transparency so that every host that comes to us, which we have over 30 shows now, can ask any question they want and we will give them whatever answer we have. That nothing will be hidden behind some closed door curtain because we don't want you to have the answer because if you get more downloads then that means that I get less. Like this bullshit of competition, we were like, this doesn't work. This makes no sense. There's room for all of us. And if I elevate your voice, you can help more people, period. That's the whole point. Sharing our communities. You probably have very similar listeners that I do. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't I share you with my community? And so that's really what we've done. We have mastermind with all of our hosts every month. We talk through what's happening in the business, how to grow your show, analytics, things that are changing, introducing new ideas like Patreon and paywalls and 
what to do on YouTube and how to cross promote using IGTV and things like that. Um, and then we also do ad swaps. So all of our shows run ads for each other in order to share community and introduce new podcasts and um, get listeners just in on what's happening within the network. Um, and then we help with um, getting ads on there, working with brands, a lot of strategy, business strategy. The bulk of my work is really helping people understand their business and how their podcast can work for them. So I'm in there like changing the name of the show, changing the music, rewriting the open, the description, really feeling into what is the listener's experience going to be and how can we kind of funnel everything into that so it makes sense for you. Um, so it's been really fun uh, building that with Connor and it's exceeded all of our expectations, which has been amazing. And I always wanted to have my own company and support people. I just didn't know it was going to look like this. So it's been really fulfilling and being of service in this way has felt really good. Um, so that's that. And then aside from that, I do one-on-one -on -one work. I do group work. I facilitate women's circles. Um, I just wrapped up two of my group programs for the year. So really it just depends on kind of what program comes to me that I want to create. I created her truth, which is the one that I just wrapped up during a mushroom ceremony with myself. I wrote the whole program in an hour like every detail, it was just like full on download. It just came to me. I wrote it out and it was done. And then I sold out two programs in a week and a half. Like it was just nuts. And it was just so aligned and so real for where I was. And I felt like everything I was sharing from um, connecting to your sexuality, opening up spiritually, getting rid of the noise and the chaos, getting really clear on your truth, letting go of limiting beliefs, all these ideas that's where all those people were. And it was just like this immediate attraction to being in this practice together. Um, so it was really beautiful. And I love working with people one-on-one -on -one because getting in and diving deep is really fun. And I just love being a mirror for someone when they say something and I reflect it back to them and they have this aha moment and realization. And it's so beautiful to see someone do that for themselves and be their own healer. While I'm just sitting here like, repeating back to you what you said in different words and like, Oh my God, that's brilliant. I'm like, you just said it yourself. <laughs> that for me feels really nice because I remember having those realizations and I still have them with my, my coaches and facilitators. And so it's just beautiful to be able to hold that space for people. Um, so everyone can find me on Instagram at Kelly M tenant. Um, my website's kellytenant.com, soulfireproductionsco.com. They're all the things. Thank you so much. I appreciate so your welcome. time. I appreciate your energy helping me help of myself. <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's what it's all about, girl. <laughs> Thank you. You're Have welcome. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Additionally, I'm going to leave a link in the bio for my Patreon account if you would like to donate. It would mean so much to me. Have a beautiful day, everyone.